0: The following is a presentation of the Premier Dance Network.
1: Hi everyone, Kimberly Fulker here, the founder and CEO of the Premier Dance Network, the only podcast network dedicated solely to the world of dance. And welcome to Chat with your host, Barry Carellis. Before we get started with today's episode, I'd like to take a moment and share a word from our sponsor. Body Wrappers Angela Luzio is happy to be the proud sponsor of the Premiere Dance Network. Body Wrappers Angela Luzio is known for its fine total stretch tights and Angela Luzio shoes. Tyler Peck, principal dancer with the New York City Ballet, is its spokesperson and designer of Tyler Peck designs for Premiere. It takes a dancer who wears a leotard all day to know what is best in a leotard. So Tyler's beautiful original leotard designs fit perfectly, are ideal for class, rehearsal, or performance, and move well with the body won't ride up in the back. Body Wrappers makes additional apparel for all types of dance that includes ballet, jazz, modern, lyrical, hip hop, tap, team, liturgical, performance wear for competition and recital, as well as Angela Luzio shoes. You may view all the products at www.bodywrappers.com or to purchase Tyler Peck designs by Body Wrappers, go to dancewearcorner.com or your favorite online dance apparel retailer for all their products.
0: Hello and welcome back, thanks for coming to chat. I am your host, Barry Corollis, and you are listening to Pa the Chat Talking Dance on the Premier Dance Network. In this bi-monthly podcast, I candidly offer educational conversations and thoughtful analysis on all things dance. With my vast background as a director, choreographer, instructor, and dancer, I am happy to share my 16 plus years of experience with you, whether you're a professional dancer or just listening in for an insider's look into our fascinating art form. So put your earbuds in, grab a cup of coffee, sit back and let's talk dance. Hello to all of you. I hope that you are doing wonderfully well. It's been a chilly week here in New York. Just been trying to stay warm. It's been real windy. So (laughs) hopefully wherever you are, you've been nice and warm. Uh, I know down in a, a warm place recently, I uh, actually had some action with my my podcast. <laughs> if you saw my uh, social media on Friday, you would see I, I put a tongue-in-cheek post that uh, my podcast had become so popular and exciting that uh, my podcast name was Stolen. <laughs> um, I mean, all in all, it, the the name was the name was copied, um, but it was from my former company, Houston Ballet. They they started a brand new podcast, and they they didn't do all a, a lot of research, and they didn't realize that I had already created the great idea of Potted Chat Talking Dance. So, um, they ended up emailing me and apologizing profusely. They were super nice and kind and professional, and they uh they're going to find a new podcast name. But it just, it made me giggle inside a little bit because I was like, wow, I've become so popular and innovative that people just want to ride on my coattails. Um, (laughs) But anyway, so that was very interesting for me. I I never expected that uh, something that I created would potentially be copied. And They just didn't realize. I guess it's such a good idea that other people are thinking of it. Um, Anyway, moving on from that, uh, competition season is slowly coming to an end, so my schedule has been opening up just a bit more. Um, I had a handful of kids compete at the Youth America Grand Prix this season, and uh, a a handful of them won top 12 and we had a few also uh place i think second we had a couple place second in classical um in their categories so we're still waiting to find out if they get to go to the finals uh, for the youth micro youth america grand prix so fingers crossed for that um kind of enjoying having just a little bit more free time um but it's, I mean, of course, it's always nice to have private lessons and work with students, but sometimes I need just a little bit of time for myself. Um, other than that, Broadway Dance Center, what's going on? So my regular classes on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays they have been really, really full lately, so... Uh, lots going on there. Also, I will be adding uh, con- intermediate contemporary classes on Wednesday mornings at 1030 a.m. Uh, throughout the first two weeks of March. So if you want to get your contemporary on with me, uh, please come on down to Broadway Dance Center. Um, also, by the time that this podcast posts... I will be. I will have just finished my first week of uh, my absolute beginner workshop at Broadway Dance Center for ballet, um, and we we accept registration I think into the second or third week. So if you're local to New York or if you're going to be in New York for a period of time and you want to learn the art of ballet, I am teaching an absolute beginner workshop. We start at the beginning. <laughs> what are these positions? How do you hold your arms? What are these steps called? Pretty much that. Um, and that will be taking place every Thursday, uh, from 7:30 to 9 PM for throughout the months of March and April. All right. Is there anything else newsworthy that I need to share? I've got something, but I'll get to that in a second. So I have dropped little hints here and there that I am in the early stages of launching my own dance company. Slowly but surely, things have been coming along. I've met with a handful of professional dancers I'm interested in working with. I've been talking to and receiving guidance from my friend, who is the company manager for Dimensions Dance Theater in Miami. And she's also an arts consultant extraordinaire. (laughs) <laughs> that sound really weird. Uh, and a few weeks ago, I even met with a new fundraising manager to begin prepping a campaign to launch this new company in New York City. I got some good news this past week where I was awarded a month-long shared space residency at Mark Morris Dance Company, where I will spend the month developing a new pas de deux to Stravinsky's Rite of Spring. Uh, this is a cool little thing where I get subsidized rehearsal space and then at the end of the month there's a short showing of the five choreographers that were selected to be a part of this and after we show the pieces that we are that essentially work and their works in progress um we get some feedback on that but yeah so I found out about that application and I have a few things out but there's one application that I'm still waiting to hear back from uh which would be a big deal for me and the future of my company if I got it I always try to share information with you guys that can be helpful to the range of listeners who download Chat every other Friday, and I feel like I should try to talk a little more to those choreographers who are listening. I feel like I'm constantly talking to dancers, whether it be recreational, professional, adult, recreational, uh, pre-professional, um, talking to parents of students and... Uh, other other areas of the dance world, but I don't often speak to choreographers. So this week is for you, choreographers. Um, I have some information that I want to share with you. So let's get started. A little while ago, I applied for the CUNY Dance Initiative, which is this wonderful residency opportunity at 13 different City University of New York campuses throughout all five boroughs in New York City. So yeah, CUNY, it's the City University of New York if you hadn't put two and two together yet. The reason that I chose to apply is multifaceted. First, the goal of these residencies is to offer free rehearsal space and sometimes a performance venue for choreographers to develop their work. Starting a company is extremely daunting and expensive, and I see this program as an opportunity to take a lot of stress away from building the foundation for my company. Plus, a small handful of my friends and peers have been awarded this residency over the years, and they've inspired me to do more research into the program. I was really lucky to take part in an informational meeting about this program, which is actually celebrating, uh, they're they're celebrating their fifth anniversary this year, so it's kind of a big year for them. Um, I'll share a little bit more about that at the end of this episode, so you should listen all the way through. You know, we artists we should support one another. And um, in my in my explanation of everything, I want to make sure that I I let you know everything that they're up to because I'm constantly talking about what I'm up to. I want to share the love a little bit. All right, so I figured since I had that informational meeting, I figured why not tell you about everything that I learned. Okay, before I even get into the whole CUNY thing, this the CUNY Dance Initiative, CDI, I'll probably call it CDI a handful of times. So uh, when I say that, that's what I mean. If you end up in the middle of this episode it, it, before you listen to the beginning, you're gonna have no idea what I'm talking about. But CDI, CUNY Dance Initiative. Uh, first off, what exactly is a residency? Residencies may appear differently depending on art forms, but in dance, residencies are usually open to dance makers typically a uh, uh, a host organization offers time and space to create uh and or perform new works in either work in progress type situations or official showings the creations don't always have to be brand new sometimes space can be given to restage a piece that has already been made or to reconstruct a piece that may have been lost over time um but usually these these showings are for, for, not showings, but these residencies are for dance makers. The residencies, they, they typically offer space and support to allow a choreographer to be creative with fewer constraints. Um, back when, I mean, this wasn't really technically a residency. It was more of a workshop. But back when I did the National Choreographers Initiative in 2014, um, it was a, an amazing program because I had the opportunity to spend three weeks working with professional dancers in the studio that were hired by the program to create really whatever I wanted. Um, so a lot of opportunities for choreographers, or I guess the most beneficial opportunities for choreographers are usually those types of uh, residencies or workshops where you don't really have to follow any specific guidelines. Um, A lot of times when choreographers are hired or they're putting on their own performances, it's really about like getting a product out on stage. But in these types of, in many of these residencies, uh, it's, it's nice because you don't have to worry about like, putting on a show that might have reviewers in the audience that are gonna tell the public about your work. It gives you time to be creative without any, any of those stressors. Uh, so yeah, essentially these residencies are offering developmental time. Sometimes residencies offer a small stipend to help with costs that can range from paying dancers and choreographers to helping pay for costumes, production, and more. Other residencies that I've seen, sometimes they, they charge a fee. Um, it really just depends what type of situation it is. I've seen some international residencies where like you have to pay for your, your your transport and you have to pay for your housing and your meals, but then they give you a subsidy to help offset those costs. So every residency is a little different. Um, it just depends. So you have to read the fine print before you apply. Um so yeah, there, there were a few things that drew me towards applying specifically for the CUNY Dance Initiative uh, residency. First off, it is available exclusively to New York-based artists. Um, apparently, 22 to 24 choreographers and groups are selected through each application cycle. That happens annually. Um, and if I remember correctly in my notes, it happens around October. That is a hell of a lot of opportunity right there. So my stakes increase because it isn't one or two choreographers from a pool of nearly 200 of getting a residency. Instead, it's 22 to 24 choreographers that are out of 200 that are getting residencies. So um, it's very exciting to be able to apply to something and have more possibility of being selected for it. Uh, also part of the reason I moved to New York was to expand the possibilities in succeeding as a choreographer. Um, when I lived in Philadelphia, there were a lot of opportunities in New York that I wanted to apply to, but you had to be a resident of New York in order to put in your application. And this was one of those things that I had seen for a few years. Um, and I knew that if I was not a New Yorker that I wouldn't be able to do, to, to take part in at least trying to get a residency. I remember when my friend Benny Royce Royan got a CUNY residency a few years ago, uh, and (laughs) a little, uh, plug, he has his own company and also he has an upcoming world premiere work in ballet hispanico's upcoming joy season. It's in a couple weeks. I'm going to see it. Uh, but yeah, so my friend Benny Royce Royan got a residency at uh, Hostos Community College, please forgive me if I'm saying it wrong, Hostos, hostess, I think it's Hostos. Um, so this community college is in the Grand Concourse area of the Bronx. Not only did he get a space residency for rehearsals, but he also got a venue for his company to perform as a part of the residency. Apparently, half of the residencies at the, the 14, is it 14 or 13? I believe it's 13. Uh, but yeah, I, apparently half of the residencies uh, involved in CDI culminate in a performance. Uh, so yeah, this is exactly what I'm seeking to launch my company. I, I also love that each specific residency offers the opportunity for selected choreographers to work with the community at large, whether through classes, open rehearsals, or other outreach activities. I strongly believe that no great company can exist only because of one genius dance maker. I'm not trying to call myself a genius. I'm just, you know, I'm just talking, (laughs) but I I do. I strongly believe and looking at other companies that just because there's a a genius dance maker at the helm of a company, um, it doesn't mean that it's going to do well long-term. A company only succeeds thanks to great support from within its surrounding communities each residency offers opportunities to connect with the local colleges and the people who live in the neighborhoods around them. Um, like I like I said, that these are our, these universities are all spread throughout New York City, so uh, there are different options in all of the boroughs. Uh, when I was applying, and I'll talk about applying. Applying—that's a word. Applying <laughs> applications in a little bit, but when I was going through the application, I think you can select up to four of the universities to send your application to. Um, And there are options and possibilities in every borough in New York City. Um, So yeah, each residency definitely has a different community and and a different venue. So diverse artists are often selected and fit with communities that they would represent well. As an independent artist in the beginning stages of growing a company, I hope to grow interest and support outside of my current supporters. My network, I I feel like I have a large network in the dance community, but I feel like I have a lot of work to do to reach out to uh, more communities in New York City that are interested in the arts or maybe that don't even know that they're interested in the arts. So yeah, this program checks off many boxes that could help me succeed. During my informational meeting, I learned a lot more about CDI and my goal is through pod pod a chat talking dances to help educate others about our art form, and I I know there are a handful of choreographers that listen in, so I'm going to give some additional information that I found out at at the meeting for those interested in this specific residency, and then later on in the podcast I'm going to offer some advice on whether to seek out or or how to seek out other residencies. But uh, I mean generally. The information that I got about applying for this specific residency can also apply to if you are going uh, if you are going to try to seek out other other residency opportunities or possibilities. Do you hear that honking horn? I just love living in New York and recording my podcast in my own apartment. Somebody's angry. So CDI supports both emerging and established artists, and in other words. The artists need to have at least some sort of track record to apply. Think along the lines of having put on a number of showcases, being hired for a few professional commissions, or presenting a solo program or two. Artists should likely have self-presented in a few small festivals as well. Um, I believe that there is no age cutoff, but artists need to be mature and should have a track record of at least two years producing work of some sort. If applying for a performance venue, the colleges will likely look to more established artists if they plan on filling a larger size theater. So say that there's a small, small theater with 100 seats versus a theater with 400 seats. If you are new to choreography and you don't have a large community uh, interested in your work in New York City, it might be better to apply to a a university that has a smaller like black box theater versus a, a main stage that has more more seating because they want to make sure that there's not 20 people in an audience with like 500 seats. Um, As for the type of artists these residencies are looking for, they don't necessarily have to have a cause to be selected. Social justice is huge here these days in the grant giving community, but this isn't a requirement for a choreographic residency at CUNY. City universities of New York are educational institutions and public universities, and they have a mission of making college affordable. So if a project has an obvious tie-in to the student population or surrounding community, they may be more competitive for certain applications, but most artists are selected purely because their mission aligns with a college or because the college wants to support a specific choreographer in their development. What else? The average amount of time for artists at residencies is about 54 hours for rehearsal, with a bare minimum of about 25 hours. Sometimes this is in combination between studio and stage time there is a base residency fee. And I can't remember if this was exact, but there was a range given that was somewhere between $500 and $750. Um, And this is offered as a gesture to help with certain costs uh, for the the group or for the the choreographer. And if an artist performs as a part of the residency, they often get an additional performance fee, which may include a box office split or help uh, from the host performing arts center. As I mentioned earlier, each artist is expected to do some type of outreach or artistic offering for the community. These costs are also covered by the residency. Some colleges help with marketing as well, so uh, you get a lot of additional help beyond the studio for most of the the CUNY Dance Initiative residencies. What else? Sorry, I'm looking through my notes. I got lots of notes on this one. Okay, I I know I'm mostly talking about the CUNY Dance Initiative Residency Program, but I want to share just a little bit of information on how to find residencies for choreographers who aren't local to New York and can't apply for this wonderful program. Um, And then after that, I'm gonna give some tips and tricks for applying uh, that I learned at, at my meeting. So if you don't live in New York, Um, or even if you live in New York and you're looking for other types of residencies, there are a number of residencies around the world open to dance makers. Some are only by personal invite. Uh, This happens with like grantees and with fellowships more, but sometimes it happens with residencies too. Those types of residencies, you essentially have to have work out there and then an organization is interested in your work and they just personally invite you. There's no like open application process in order to get those residencies. Uh, But there are a handful that you can find. There are a handful of residencies that you can apply to in the same manner as what I've described in uh, the last 10 minutes of this podcast. Both Dance USA and Dance Magazine have sections on their websites or in their monthly newsletters that offer information about residency opportunities. They're usually updated. They're not always super, super up-to-date, but you can uh, scroll through those and see what's available. Um, if you are local to New York or even if you're not, there's dance.nyc and that's a great website. I go on there like every other day just to see what they have listed, but they have a section that's specifically for choreographic opportunities. Um, I don't know why my voice went all the way up in there. Um, but yeah, so it's specifically for choreographic opportunities. Uh, they also list certain things like festivals and showings, um, but they they share residency opportunities that are open to local and also sometimes national choreographers. So, so even if you aren't a New York-based artist, it may be valuable for you to check out that, that section of the website because often they will have opportunities that are in New York City um, if you're willing to travel or if you get selected for whatever opportunity you are applying for. If you're looking for more international opportunities, I found a lot of information on, uh, dot com. (laughs) How ironic that it's called dancing opportunities and they offer international opportunities. But yeah, I, I think that this is a European website. Don't hold me to that. But, uh, most of the programs that they offer on there are, uh, in Europe. Um, I, Although, when I looked through those residencies, a lot of those were the ones where I was talking about the idea that um, some residencies you have to pay more, uh, you have to pay a certain amount to go do them versus getting paid to do them. Um, I've noticed that a lot of those, they don't cover travel and they cover like rehearsal space, but you might still have to pay for like housing and things like that. So just make sure that you, you really read into the specific information that they, they offer before you apply. Cause there's no point in wasting your time to apply to a program that doesn't apply to you. Um, Lastly, if you're willing to dig through a range of multi-platform residencies, uh, I'm on the New York Fine Arts uh, newsletter email. I get that because I was a, men- a mentor for the their immigrant artist mentor-mentee program last summer. Um, not last summer, I guess it was 2017. But yeah, so uh, New York Fine Arts, they offer a lot of information about multiple forms of art. So you kind of have to sift through that to find specifically dance residents. Sorry, specifically dance. Why Why are my not, words not working for specific dance residencies? There we go. Finally got it out, Barry. Good job. Um, <laughs> also, New York Live Arts, they, they also tend to put out uh, information about residencies in their newsletters as well. So uh, if you subscribe to those, or if you call them and ask them, they can probably point you in the right direction so that you can find more residencies for that. Other than that, like honestly, the best way to do anything in life is to Google what you're looking for. So if you're looking for a choreography residency in a specific place, or say, I don't know, when I lived in Philadelphia, it would not be uncommon for me to go Pennsylvania residency, uh, choreography, choreographer, just put in some uh, keywords that, you're, that would help you find what you're looking for. And hopefully a few options will pop up. Um, and if not, just be more imaginative. Alrighty. <laughs> uh, now I'm going to move on to the best practices for applying to residencies. So from what I've been told, the work sample, which for choreographers is typically a video sample, is one of the most important aspects of a choreographer's application. If the footage is dark and hard to make out or if the music is muffled or if there's spoken word and that's not clear, this could cause serious detriment to your application package. Also, a dance maker should share a diverse arrangement of their work. Think along the lines of, soul, like show, show a solo work and then maybe have some group work or in the ballet, we would say the core work. Um, Maybe show some pas de deux work or duet work, whatever you wanna say. Um, For me, I actually just recently created a brand new choreography reel. Um, Mine was years and years old and I couldn't really figure out how to do it in a way that showed off the diversity that I had as a choreographer um, because I do work on point, neoclassical work, contemporary ballet, point, but I also do some contemporary work, and I just didn't feel like I had enough footage of the contemporary stuff to do a separate contemporary reel, so I held off for a while. But if you are a choreographer that does a range of work, why not find a way to show it? So make sure that you're you're showing as many sides of yourself uh, to the people who are making the decisions without being so, uh, choppy that you kind of lose exactly what you're trying to present. Variety and diversity keeps things interesting and can help grab a decision maker's attention. If a, if a choreographer is applying to create something that has yet to be made, I was also told that it is good to have some clear video of something that supports your requests. Um, it doesn't necessarily need to be professional video because a lot of people they're kind of like just putting together a little bit of an idea and they're hoping that they can get the residency to actually like fulfill that idea. Um, so I was told that even if you have just like a short clear phone video, that that could be really helpful in supporting your request for residency to develop a specific piece. um, if if an a, what else if an application asks for a specific length of the piece be sure to follow those guidelines i have heard at times that if applicant or if an application requests that you give a no more than 10 minutes that at 10 minutes will turn it off but some people are so specific about it that if it's more than 10 minutes they won't even look at it it'll actually disqualify you um so just make sure that you are are giving what is specifically asked for. Uh, for instance, at, at CUNY, they allow you to give five minutes worth of footage, and it the thing is, this is actually something that I really liked about the CUNY application. Um, it says that you can give five minutes, and if the video is longer than five minutes, just cue it or to give the timing of the cues that you want them to see. Um, and I like that because if they really, they, they mentioned this too, they said that if, if they really like what they're watching, it actually gives them the opportunity to watch more. So uh, as long as if, if it's a little more open ended, as long as you tell them exactly what you want them to see, it'll make sure that they see what, what you're proposing. Um, and then if they really like it, they can watch more. Also many applications ask for a written project description. So be sure to be clear in exactly what you're proposing, but also make sure that you're realistic about what you can accomplish in the amount of time that is offered in the residency. Uh, Some residencies might be open-ended and you can sort of uh, tell the organization what you hope for it to be. But others are, you get three hours a day for two weeks. Others are you're on site for three months. So just make sure that you're clear and make sure that you, if the residency is a week long, that you don't expect to be making a full length ballet. Um, That would not make any sense to anybody. And (laughs) if your head is in the clouds and you have delusions of grandeur, you may not appear to be a, a great candidate that can follow through with what you propose. I think that most of these residencies, it's like grants and fellowships they just want to know that you are able to uh, follow through with what you say that you're going to do. And it's, it's great to be inspired and to have uh, grand ideas and hopes and dreams. But if you can't follow through with something, it, it doesn't really benefit you, it doesn't really benefit them um, or anybody else that's involved in the project. Also, I would suggest that you always look online at specifications of the location you hope to have at a residency. Um, this was very particular for the CUNY dance initiative because all of the studios at the different universities are had different, are different sizes. Some of them have, uh, Marley floor, some of them are hardwood, some of them are Masonite. Um, same with the the stages, as I was saying before, some of the theaters have less seats, some have more, some are bigger, smaller. Uh, I mean, it's like, you have to think if you have point shoes, you need Marley. If you're doing a small installation work, it may not really matter uh, how big your studio is or what the flooring is like. Um, If you have 10 dancers performing, a small stage may not work. Um, So just be sure to know what you're getting yourself into, because if you apply and you offer in your project description, this massive stage production and they can't, uh, fulfill your request, they're obviously not going to take you into consideration. Lastly, many applicants are are required to fill out, uh, their applications online. Um, and I mean, we all know what it, what it's like to fill something out online. Sometimes things work, Sometimes they don't, sometimes they work and your internet doesn't work. Sometimes there's an error and you lose everything. So uh, in the event that something is, goes wrong when you're submitting your information, it's really important to have your certain specific information saved on your computer. Um, You don't want to, a, a lot of the, a lot of these applications have like a section that you just right into a box. So it's not like you're uploading a PDF or a doc file. Um, so you're writing into it. So it's actually better to see what those different, uh, boxes are that you have to fill out and then to create a document on your computer that you can save, um, that information on, and then just cut and paste it into those, those boxes on the application. These things that, They often ask for your biography, um, as I said before, the project description. Sometimes they ask you about technical information. Um, But yeah, any other information that's requested that's beyond a sentence or two, you should really have saved into a Word or Pages document on your computer. Because there's nothing worse than having to fill out an application (laughs) more than one time. And I cannot tell you this from experience, I swear lies um yeah it's it's really absolutely no fun to put in a lot of hard work into an or put a put a lot of hard work into an application and have to start from scratch um i filled out some applications that are really really long uh like for instance the new York new and new york university center for ballet and the arts their fellowship application is crazy long um that's actually one thing I really liked about the CUNY dance initiative application. It was really simple and straightforward and streamlined. It asked for specific information, but it didn't make me write like pages and pages of page and pages of information to try to convince them to choose me. Um, so that's, that's another cool thing about uh, applying for that program. It, it's not, it doesn't eat all of your time. All right. Is there anything else that I want to share about CUNY or residencies in general? Um, I think that I'm pretty much coming to the end of that. So it's time for me to talk. I get to share a little bit about something that's happening in our community. I want to talk about the fifth anniversary celebration for CUNY Dance Initiative. I've been talking about them so much and I'm, I'm planning on going to see this show. So I wanted to give them a little promotion uh, and tell you guys about what's happening. So, okay. Uh, CUNY Dance Initiative, they are celebrating five years of offering this amazing program. Um, They're they're celebrating five years with a performance series at the Baruch Performing Arts Center. If I want to say it like a good Jewish boy, I'll say Baruch. Um, But yeah, so from March 18th to 21st, uh, this, this month, there will be a series of performances. Um, and there's a handful of really spectacular artists that are taking part in this performance series. A couple of them I'm actually friends with, uh, Gabriel Lamb, who I've actually talked about on this podcast before. She's, uh, princess grace award winner um she is one of the artists I, I think that all of these artists uh obviously not think all of these artists have gone through the cuny dance initiative um a couple of them started their chore- choreographic careers uh as a part of this initiative and some of them just got to continue building their careers from here but yeah so gabrielle lamb uh she'll be presenting work there lonnie landon another friend of mine who is also princess grace award winner Lucky ladies. Um, Kinesis Project, Heidi Latsky Dance, Miki Orihara, Urban Bushwomen. I've been hearing great things about Urban Bushwomen. Um, Paris Jatte Dessay. Do not hold me to that name. I'm hoping that's right. We also have Sonia Ola and Ismail Fernandez Flamenco, Andrew Nemer. Efrat Asherith and Maury Bowman, or Maria Bowman, not Maury. uh, They will all be presenting works in celebration of all of the wonderful things that the CUNY Dance Initiative has done for the dance community in New York over the past five years. Um, I mean, really, it it can be very challenging in New York City to find rehearsal space. I'm just starting to learn this process and it's been daunting. And the fact that this residency program offers has offered over 5,700 hours of uh, studio and stage space um, and put on 9,326 shows and had workshops and open rehearsals open to nearly 2,200 people. It's just, it's amazing. So I, I have so much respect for this, this initiative and for all of the wonderful things that they do for dance artists in the city. And I, I mean, I'm not gonna lie, like, this is kind of like my God, I hope I get it moment. Um, just after getting to apply and then going to, and going to an informational meeting throughout the process and learning so much about it and doing some research for this podcast, um, I just, it's, it's clear that this is really a great program. And I hope that one day I will be able to, to add my name to the list of artists that will be, that, that have taken part in this. So yeah, Um. I, one last thing I want to do is I just want to give you information if you want to check out the residency or if you're interested in attending their performances that are coming up in March. So you can head to, it's www.cuny.edu. And if you head to that website, you can learn all about the residencies, how to apply, the different venues that they have, Uh, that they hold the residencies at. And then also you can find information about this upcoming performance. Alrighty, so there you have it. A little something for the choreographers this week, a little something for New York-based choreographers, and a little something for non-New York-based choreographers. So something a little different than I've done in the past. Um, If you really like this type of episode, let me know. Um, You can always reach out to me or give me feedback on my my social media. Um, I'll tell you how you can reach out to me in the outro. Uh, but yeah, just a little something different. I'm gonna try to find more ways to connect with my fellow choreographers as a part of the pod chat, uh, talking dance podcast. So if you have any other ideas, uh, go ahead and shoot them my way, and I will do my do my best to make the world a better place by talking about dance. (laughs) All right, I've got a little crazy here. It's really late at night. I'm recording after teaching all day, um, but I wanted to make sure that I got to share all this information with you. All righty. I hope that you enjoyed this week's episode of Pod to Chat Talking Dance. If there are any topics you'd like to hear me talk about, please feel free to reach out to me via my website contact page at www.barrycorliss.com. Again, that's www.barrycorliss.com. You can also reach out on there if you'd like to become a sponsor for our podcast or to book master classes in ballet or contemporary technique for choreography or speaking engagements. I hope you enjoyed listening in and talking dance with me. If you enjoyed this chat, please feel free to share, rate, and review our podcast on iTunes. Every bit of extra visibility helps keep these podcasts running. And if this didn't fulfill your dance fix, check out my sister podcasts on the Premier Dance Network. If you want to connect with me to see where I'm choreographing, teaching, and what I'm doing in my everyday life, you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, where my name is B Carolus or on Twitter at Bariscos. Also, be sure to subscribe to my blogs. I have Life of a Freelance Dancer, which can be found at lifeofafreelancedancer.blogspot.com. And on there, I wrote for five years about working as a freelance artist and an independent contractor. I also have Dancing Off Stage, and you can find that at dancingoffstage.wordpress.com. And on that blog, I have talked about the post-performance careers of professional dancers. I also have a YouTube channel with a fresh new choreography reel. And if you want to find that, you can go to youtube.com, go in the search bar and type in B Corollas. That's B, my last name. Thanks for listening in to Pod of Chats. I hope you return two weeks from this Friday to talk dance with me. And remember to go out and support your local dance scene.